0: Welcome to BNB, Books and Banter, a podcast where we are currently reading through Brandon Sanderson's Stormlight Archive. This is Linda.
1: And I'm Sarah. We're currently reading the first book, The Way of Kings. We're back with Kaladin in chapters 37 and 38.
0: All right. So we're in chapter 37, Sides.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's Kaladin's memory while he is basically delirious. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no. Chapter 37 Sides is, uh, we go back to Kaladin's past.
0: Yes, but in my head I'm like, of course, that would be a flashback while well, he's delirious.
1: <laughs> oh, sorry, that's what you meant. Yes.
0: Yeah, but I, know, but I also get what you're saying, because we've been getting a bunch
1: of... Flashbacks. Yeah, so now... So, before, before you start on that, do you have a, an image on the opposite page... Um, I think I do. Shale bark? Yeah. kremlings. Yes, I do. Because it's just that uh, Tien does mention uh, rocks changing color in the very first page.
0: But you know the description when they visit the, the Lord, the Bright Lord? Mm. About how he placed more emphasis on the buildings.
1: And the garden, yeah.
0: Yeah, that little wall right there is what I imagine that all.
1: Yeah, I agree. And it's just a nice little visual representation, I think.
0: Mm -hmm. I was going to say, in our fancy leather-bound books, Mm -hmm. with the color in it, I wonder how that looks. Is it just shades of blue? Do you have yours on hand?
1: I I have my book. Let me get to 37. It is in shades of blue. The shale bark is actually very dark. It's like a black.
0: Like a midnight blue.
1: Yeah, whereas the rest of them are the lighter shades of blue, so.
0: Okay. I was just curious.
1: Okay. So, we are five and a half years behind, We're back in time, mm-hmm. with Kaladin.
0: Mm-hmm. And I was going to say, Tien is now 13, and he's still fascinated by rocks. Yes. And just the colors and... I mean, it could just be Tien enjoys the simple things in life mm. and appreciates them.
1: I think Tien hyperfixates on certain things, mm-hmm. which to people on the outside is kind of weird. But to him, it's normal to question these things. I think it is interesting that both Tien and Kaladin are curious about the world. Yes. Like, in this chapter, Kaladin, he just wants to know why. Why do things happen? Yeah, why do things happen the way they happen? Mm -hmm. And Tien is doing the same thing. Yeah. Just on different things. He's curious about the natural world. I mean, I think we've hit
0: Kaladin at the point, you know, where he is trying to figure out kind of, like, his place in the world, too. Like, how does he fit in? Mm. And, you know it's hard to answer that given like exactly what we're talking about, where they're not quite light eyed and they're not, and yet they're better than most dark eyed. Mm. Right. Yeah. And yeah, we know that it's been a struggle for him and not knowing where he fits in. I don't know if that is the cause of some of his bouts of depression or not, but yeah, it's hard. It's hard to feel the confidence when,
1: when you're questioning your place in the world
0: yeah so yeah that's a, something I was interested in discussing just Kaladin like how for him that struggle is very kind of explicit mm. because he doesn't look quite one way or the other either It just his family circumstances Yeah. because remember when he was fighting with one of the other boys they're like well gotta be careful not to break his fingers His dad's a surgeon and you know so he's maybe the way that he his status is in the world it's not quite respect but he's always aware yes yeah um that's that's all i got for that Mm. the other thing that made me happy was this whole entire conversation about spread
1: Yeah, I was reading that going, Linda's going to love this.
0: (laughs) I love it. You know I can't not talk about it.
1: Of course. I was waiting for you to bring it up. Because it actually comes up pretty early in the chapter.
0: Yeah. So apparently Spren live in everything, according to Hasina. Mm -hmm. And um, what she says is, Spren appear when something changes when fear appears or when it begins to rain. They are the heart of change, and therefore the heart of all things.
1: Hmm. I mean, it does explain, like, most of the spren we've seen so far. Mm -hmm. It's been a change that brings them about.
0: Yeah. It's not just, like, when it changes, right? But it's what Hasina is pretty much implying is that there is a spren in all things. They might be small or big, and maybe it's an accumulation of enough of the small that gives them physical form, mm. but they are still there. Like, that's what I was um, struggling to put into words.
1: Mm. And I think Tien questions it quite well in that, do I have a spren?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And <laughs> it's like, is like, no, no, you have a soul, but there are sprain in you, because... They're, like, part of the pieces of your body that makes up who you are.
0: Mm-hmm. It kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because your body is changing all the time, and if Sprint is the physical
1: embodiment of change... Then you would have Sprint.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But they don't manifest, necessarily.
0: Right. And that's what we talked about, remember, when that... Uh, the Chasm Fiend. Mm. In the chapter where the, um, Adeline and Del and I were fighting Chasm Fiend. Mm-hmm. And after Fiend dies, they can see the appearance of what they assume is Deathspren, mm. And they don't normally see it otherwise.
1: Yeah, because a fiend to die is quite a big change. Yeah. Also the appearance of Gloryspren, where the king feels glory.
0: He feels like he's different from before. Like before he had, I wouldn't say, I don't think it would have been conceivable to have slain a fiend. Mm. And now that it actually happened, it's like, oh, I can do this. And it's,
1: yeah. Honorable. Whereas for Dalinar and Adeline, who actually slay the Chasm Fiend, they're on the battlefield more often. Yeah. It does did not create such a big change in them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting.
0: And Cal basically says, we eat spread <laughs> And his mother says, no, we eat the roots. Because the change to the state is gone, right? So it's interesting. Mm-hmm. And now I wonder if like, what is the, what is the change that, you know how we were um, in the, um, the interludes. Yes. In the interludes where my, you know, favorite person in the whole wide world, <laughs> the spren hunter, he, <laughs> he goes to that specific city to see that specific spren. Yes. So it makes you wonder what change is happening. To make that spren appear. Exactly. Like clockwork. And we've also noticed that this spren is capable of interacting with the world, which is very different from what we've seen so far of all the other because The spren is the manifestation of change. And now that change has to be capable. Like, it has to be... I don't know. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Yes. It has to have such a large impact that the spren itself can interact with the physical world. Like, this change... Is literally...
1: (laughs) It is a big enough change for enough spren to accumulate to become visible or take form. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Or the spren themselves have to get big enough to take form.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I I had something, I have something here, and I'm not quite articulating it. (laughs) (laughs) It'll come to me eventually, Okay. but for now.
1: We can go back to the roots, because the reason they're eating roots is that they cannot buy... Expensive food. Right.
0: Or rather that people... This is a consequence of people not paying for the services that they are receiving.
1: Yes. They are quite poor.
0: Right. And this is the intention of Rosh... Or is it Roshan? As we... Mm
1: -hmm. As we discover later in the chapter.
0: Yeah. I mean, we know that Cal runs over meets up with his father to go confront Roshan.
1: Yes. He's decided that his father shouldn't be facing... Bright Lord alone. I think it's because I don't know if Cal at this point doesn't trust his father to not back down. Mm-hmm. So it is more about Cal making sure or obs- wanting to know that what his father is actually doing.
0: I think he, his view of his father also changed a lot in this chapter. Mm-hmm. Right? So when he first decides that he wants to go and be a part of this confrontation it's because he wants to determine whether or not his father is courageous. Yes. To him, his father's always been kind of cowardly and... Just
1: keeping his head down, doing the work, not responding yeah. to...
0: Mm-hmm. And so the night where they almost get robbed, right, and his father steps up.
1: And his father shows bravery.
0: Exactly. But bravery in a way that Kaladin doesn't understand, right? Because it's, to him, it's like, you can only be brave in the face of violence or so I mean that confrontation is violent but like responding to bravery with violence I guess yeah right of saying well I'm not afraid of getting hurt I'm going to stand for what's right and this was a different type of bravery where his father like I would say dissolved a situation Mm. with just words yes without having everything come to blows yeah so it's the first time that Cal had ever seen anything like this, mm-hmm. so it was fascinating for him, and it's also something he never expected of his father. So his image of his father is changed a bit, and he needs to know if this is has always been the case, and that his father had just had always been courageous, and he just didn't know about it, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what he wants to figure out when he decides to follow his father. <laughs> yes, yeah, to come along.
1: <laughs> yes, so. This whole bit of them being in the Bright Lord's house. Well,
0: Hmm? before we go there, part of the conversation that happens on their trip over is Keladin learns that his family is being fed. And that while the people are not playing in spheres anymore, they are making sure that their family isn't starving.
1: Yes. So the villagers are not following the Bright Lord's instructions to the T.
0: Exactly.
1: And, yeah, they do still appreciate the work this surgeon does in the village. Exactly. But they may not have the same bravery to be open about it, because, I mean, they can see what the Bright Lord is doing targeting the surgeon. Imagine if the Bright Lord then turned his attention on them.
0: Exactly. And something that kind of blew Cal's mind is, Lyran says they could leave. They don't have to stay. Yeah. (laughs) And it's something that Liren has struggled with because at the end of the day, like, it's more than just his home, right? These are his people that he's been cared for. Like, he's been caring for their health. Like, each life that he's, you know, helped deliver and each life that he helped save, like...
1: He can't just walk away from that.
0: Exactly. So that's something that we're seeing here. And this, I think this is something that Cal has um, kind of known but not acknowledged in the sense that he never even thought about them leaving, right? That he Cal thought of leaving himself, but never that his family would leave with him. Yeah. So I think subconsciously he knows that his father is invested and responsible for... The community. For this. Exactly. Mm. And we also see that in... Caledon himself when he's older, right? He he could have left Bridge for, he had the money. And yet yeah, he stayed. Mm-hmm. Because they're his responsibility and he made them a promise. Yep. And it's not a promise he, like, that anybody would expect him to uphold, but he expects it of himself. So, yep. Like, every action he's taken is for the good of his of, of Bridge 4 versus what's good for him, right? Because he could have easily not been flogged for his actions. But he, to protect Bridge 4, he puts himself up on the chopping block. Yep. You know, takes the punishment.
1: Yep. He cares for the community he's building. Exactly. So we see where he gets it from. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Like father, like son. I guess he never thought of himself as taking on more of his father's qualities.
1: No. <laughs> no, it hasn't really <laughs> entered his head that he has.
0: Right. To him, the, he feels like he's doing things very differently from the way his father has done things. and
1: It turns out they're more similar than he thinks.
0: Exactly. And the fact that, like, you know, future Kaladin, like, was able to say, you know, what my father said was right about, like, certain things. Mm. Yeah, that shows shows a lot. Yep. No, it does. Sorry, I interrupted you about um arriving to Roshone, right?
1: Yeah, Roshone. Um No, I was... When they arrive and they're shown into the dining room where Roshone is eating, I mean, Liren is right in calling out Roshone on his so-called, you know
0: hospitality.
1: Hospitality and preservation of the status in society because Roshon has set up a table somewhere else for them to eat while he eats on this big table full of food. Mm-hmm. And Liren has every right to sit at that table. Yep. And it's just I think it's very obvious what Rashon's trying to do in degrading Liren and the family in general. And we see it again later when Cal goes to the kitchen and his son uh, just assumes he's well he doesn't assume he's another servant he probably knows who he is and treats him like a servant because he is of a lower status
0: Possible but I wouldn't put it past like what's his son's name? Rillar. Riller Riller, okay so Riller is so self-absorbed that it would not surprise me if he actually doesn't know who the servants are like, I don't think he's acknowledged them other than, though, just another servant.
1: Mm-hmm. Whereas Cal knows the servants by name. Right. So it would not
0: surprise me if he actually genuinely thought Cal was a servant. Mm. But there's a part of me that's like, I'm pretty sure they're uniformed, right?
1: <laughs> yes. Yes, they should be.
0: Yeah, I don't remember any mentions of that.
1: No, uh, Cal does correct him in saying, um, I'm not an errand boy, I'm a sur- surgeon. Oh, you're that one, son.
0: Yeah. But still, you can tell, like, Riller just... Doesn't care. Doesn't care. Is very aware of his status in the world. Mm-hmm. And he basically talks
1: Cal into circles. Yes. Cal does not enjoy that experience.
0: <laughs> no, he does not.
1: No. I also think it's interesting that they have Laurel responding in the same way that both Rashon and... Riller are showing in preserving the statuses in society. Mm -hmm. Because the way Laurel treats Cal is markedly different to how she used to treat him. Yeah. So there is yes. This family are definitely definitely think highly of themselves and their position in society. And as we see through the chapter... Resent their current living situation. Well, on
0: Laurel's side of things, like, she no longer has a father. Mm-hmm. She has some amount of money. And she was given a dowry by Sadaeus. And that's all she's got.
1: Yep. So she needs to marry well if she wants to continue to live in the level of comfort that she's used to.
0: Right, and in order to, because as much as we hate to say it, like, Roshone is the new Bright Lord, like, Mm -hmm. she doesn't have much of a position, like, uh, like previously it would have been hers, but with the death of her father, and she can't inherit, like, she's just a piece, like, she needs to adapt and ensure her own well-being, right? Yep. So it it doesn't surprise me that she...
1: Is adapting.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Exactly. So yeah,
1: I mean, I don't,
0: yeah, I I, I don't think it's her fault. And I don't know how much of it is the circumstances of her like trying to ensure her own future and how much of it is her views herself are being personally influenced. Mm. Yeah, so it's hard to say. Yeah. Like, I don't want to just pin it on her and be like, oh, man, now she's with, with, you know, these new influence, she's become a totally new person. It's like, part of it too, like, it's her circumstances. Like, what personal power does she have to Yes. fight back?
1: Yeah. She's, she's adapting to the circumstances she's in with the view that she needs to look after herself. I mean, if she was to show the kind of views that she has shown in the past, and, like, talk to Cal and, you know be friendly then i mean the bright lord is very clearly targeting the family (laughs) so she would not last long there yeah so
0: yeah that's laurel circumstances and it's just unfortunate that cow doesn't seem to be able to think outside of his own circumstances at the moment Mm -hmm. he just feels betrayed and hurt about this whole situation where, you know, they've been friends for so long and possibly would have been engaged to each other. Mm-hmm. So
1: it's it's got to hurt. Yeah. Neither of them are in a place where they thought they would be.
0: Mm-hmm. And then um, during the confrontation, while Cal was still in the room between Roshone and Lyran, Cal thinks that Roshone is not a real light eyes and that he's a reject. Yeah. <laughs> that he'll see real, 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 real ones eventually. Real, honorable
1: light eyes when he joins the army. <laughs> yeah.
0: So that that's interesting that he thinks of Ra'shawn as a reject.
1: Well, I think he's by this wrong. stage, yeah, everyone knows Ra'shawn is there because he annoyed the wrong person. And he's in exile, basically. Mm-hmm.
0: And when Cal enters the kitchen he served a meal right Mm -hmm. a child's meal (laughs) yes i'm trying to figure out where it is here we go um some flatbread and fruited talu rice a child's meal
1: yes and cal is ashamed that the cook knows exactly what he wants
0: (laughs) yep and he like looks at his current plan and realizes that it is it belongs to a boy who ought to eat fruit at meals mm-hmm. and deserve to be sent away when men talked of important topic. Mm-hmm. And this was the first time that Cal is regretful of not training with surgeons. So this is where it starts, right? Where he has a moment of epiphany.
1: Yeah. So earlier in the chapter, he had already said that, oh, I am going to become a soldier the next time. Yeah the recruiters are in town, I'm going to sign up that that's happening, that's my path, I've chosen it. But, throughout this chapter, with act- with interacting with actual light eyes, yep. he realizes that he is but a child. <laughs> yes.
0: And then it's actually the interaction with Riller that kind of solidifies Kel's desire to be a surgeon. Mm-hmm. Because he did get talked around, like, and he couldn't articulate why he's different from an errand boy, sorry.
1: Yes. And he believes that becoming a surgeon, he will learn how to speak. Yeah. And decipher what a light is, is actually saying in order to counteract it.
0: Right. So this is the first time that Cal is really seeing that there is a different route to Power? I wouldn't say not power, but like
1: self defense maybe? Mm. He is seeing the self-defense that his father actually has, and realizes that he has absolutely no talent or training in it. Mm-hmm. In that, self-defense doesn't have to be violent, or physical. Sorry, it doesn't have to be physical. It can be verbal.
0: Yeah, and I think he's also starting to realize that, as a soldier, you have to be in a physical fight or a battleground, right? Mm-hmm. Versus the passive skill that of learning how to speak and articulate, and that you use every single day. And it has widespread consequences that affects more than just the battlefield, right? Mm-hmm.
1: But sure, we see his mother doing it all the time. <laughs> yep. His mother runs runs rings around him. I don't think he's realized that yet. No.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, yep. Yeah. So this is when Cal decides that he wants to be a surgeon and that he is going to now go by his full name.
1: Yes. Which is interesting. Like, this is the point where he changes from Cal to Caledon. Yep. It is when he commits to being a surgeon. Like, properly commits to being a surgeon.
0: And now he feels like the name fits him or it's not one. Yes. Where it doesn't belong to either world. Mm-hmm. Something in between. And that's... That's who he is, and he's finally accepted that about himself. Yep, and he's also come to accept that things are not black and white, right? Because mm-hmm. in the in the ride back home, Calus discovered that Liren had stolen the spheres that they were going to use.
1: <gasps> oh, exactly. <no>. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the family are thieves. <laughs>
0: Yep, everything was so black and white for him, like right, because it's like, oh, he Roshone was doing wrong, because you know they didn't steal it and they were doing what's right and defending themselves, and
1: he learns that
0: no, those spheres were stolen and they were just putting up a fight to keep what they've stolen.
1: Yep, yeah. and Liren's defense is they would have been given to the family had the previous bright lord lived right
0: or cal would have married into the family and exactly. therefore
1: it made no difference <laughs>
0: exactly exactly and this is when he realizes that yes his father did wrong and therefore is a villain but is a hero to his family because it's what's going to enable them to leave if educate cal and educate cal and do those things. Mm-hmm. And Kaladin realizes, like, he can return and, you know, get his revenge, <laughs> in a way.
1: Yes, it's an interesting philosophical question for Cal. I think,
0: mm-hmm.
1: on how does he view his father and his mother now, because Liren implies that it was a, a joint decision. Because mm-hmm. they did something bad, but... It was, it was for the good of the family. Right.
0: And that's kind of interesting. It's, we were faced with a
1: similar type of philosophical... Question in the previous chapter? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yep. People do bad things all the time with for good intentions.
0: Right. There is going to be consequences to our choices, right? And sometimes those consequences impact others.
1: Yep. Yeah, so we leave Kaladin in the past, knowing that his father stole the Spheres, and that he wants to become a surgeon, and his name's is now Kaladin.
0: Yep. We have chapter thirty-eight, which is Invisitor.
1: Yes. So we are back with Kaladin in the present day.
0: Mm-hmm. And there's a quote at the beginning of the chapter.
1: Yes. Born from the
0: darkness, they bear its taint still, marked upon their bodies, much as the fire marks their souls.
1: Now, the comment on it is very interesting, because it attributes the quote to Gashish Sun Navamis, which would indicate that it is Shin. (laughs) And the comment is that they, they think this is a trustworthy source, but that this translation does not... Sound correct, yeah. And they should get the original quote from the original book and retranslate it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, what about this quote is wrong?
0: That is the question, right? Mm. Maybe it's just the description of darkness or fire marks their soul. It's like, how do you verify that?
1: Mm-hmm. Or what? I mean, the what the quote is talking about. What is born? From the darkness, is it the very fact that they are they querying that they were born from the darkness? It's very strange. We don't know.
0: (laughs) We don't know, but our suspicions are that it's still on the topic of void bringers. Yes, got it. All right, so here we have an interesting chapter in the sense that Kaladin's knowledge of how to treat his current status.
1: He is, he is treating his wounds and his injuries while also fever, feverish <laughs> and nearly dying. <laughs>
0: yeah, he's like categorizing. He's like, oh, this is it. And then from his studies, he remembers res- what he needs to do.
1: Mm-hmm. So, yes, there's a couple of things that keep reoccurring in Kaladin's mind. Like why, why Bridgman aren't supposed to survive. Right. I mean, he, he has the answer. He knows why. It's just constantly circling around his mind. It's not sinking in. Mm-hmm. And he thinks from another bridgeman's perspective in another bridge about how they're dying because bridge four tried to protect themselves.
0: Right. It's kind of interesting to me because something like that is would only occur if he felt extreme guilt. Yeah. Which, I mean, we knew he felt as soon as he realized what his actions did. Yeah. But there's also, like, the guilt of failing Tian and all these people that are important to him. Mm -hmm. He felt like he has that guilt, and then he has this new guilt. He's just very... feels very guilty. Yes. (laughs) Yes! That's 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 the sum of it. (laughs) Yeah. And there's a part of him that's, like, why isn't he dead yet, right? He is seeing death, Bren. Yes. So there is a description. Fist size, black, many legs, deeper eyes, leaving trails of burning light. Mm-hmm. And the description of skittering this, whisper and scratching, like, it sounds horrible. And also kind of, like, spider-like.
1: Yes. The worst possible image, really, being surrounded by these things.
0: Yep. And only the dying can see Desperin. You saw them, then died. Only v- the very, very lucky few survived after that. Mm. Desperan knew when the end was close.
1: They could sense the change in you
0: mm-hmm i mean and given like those descriptions like as he's self-analyzing himself right like it sounds bad like hypothermia broken
1: ribs trauma to the head yeah lacerations on the body <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah that's yep yeah. and then it's like some of the stuff like check for, like, yeah the hit on the back of the head potentially life-threatening be prepared for surgery yeah like and then it's like i think i read somewhere where it's like severe delusions <laughs> that yes. he's
1: experiencing caused by if trauma medication... to the head <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah if the medication fails like
1: trepanning the skull is usually fatal <laughs> it's like... maybe needed to relieve pressure so trepanning is that where i think where you
0: drill a hole in the skull i think
1: yeah making a burr hole is a surgical intervention in which a hole is drilled or scraped into the human skull yep now i don't know if this is a modern treatment i know it's obviously a treatment from the past
0: it still is this is gonna sound bad but no it's it still is it still is <laughs> it still is you you can drill a hole in it in the back of the head to release the pressure and then um you kind of patch it up and help the skull heal back Oh wow! We're more capable of doing that in the present than we were in the past, and *Grey's Anatomy*. <laughs> so, <laughs> we're not gonna attribute it to that, but there is a lot of "Oh my god, we gotta drill into his skull and relieve the pressure! Quick, quick, quick! He's dying! He's gonna like stroke out!" And yeah, okay. I can
1: see how that would make good TV. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, but no, um, drilling holes in head still a thing.
1: Okay. Well, in this case, back then, I don't know if they had the correct um, instruments or, you know, precision to do this safely.
0: That's why it's usually Usually fatal.
1: fatal. (laughs) So, yes, um, there is also another image he gets when he sees the death spren, which I think you must have been particularly happy about. Of
0: course.
1: (laughs) I love Syl. She's great. So yes, Syl stands before the death's Yes, Yes.
0: But he doesn't name what he's seeing as Sill. No. There's just a tiny figure of light. Like pure white light, soft feminine face.
1: Had a nobler, more angular cast. It...
0: So it's like a part of him knows it's Sil, Mm. but still doesn't believe it's Syl. Yeah. But she stood guard on his chest, holding a sword made of light,
1: yes, and she would charge at any death sprint that would get too close,
0: yep, and he every time he's looked when he was lucid, there seems to be more and more of them, yep, so
1: and then you have poor Syl trying to fend them all off, yep, the brave, brave sill
0: I know Sil's the best, mm-hmm. we all need a sill. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then Taft. Oh yes. Oh Taft.
1: So Taft has a little bit of a history.
0: Yes. He's also, I'm thinking, the brains behind what's happening, right? Yes. Because he basically makes sure that Kaladin is kept out of sight
1: and that there's always somebody who's watching him. Mm-hmm. And he is also monitoring the other injured. Yes. So Taft is really just taking over what Kaladin would have done for Bridge Four. But he's smart enough to also realize that he needs to keep uh, Kaladin as, like, unobtrusive as possible. Yeah.
0: And in doing so, that's the only way to keep him alive, right? And he realized the possibility of somebody currying favor with Sadaeus is to just kill Kaladin.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because Sadaeus wanted him dead.
0: Yeah. And Tef decides finally... That he's going to test out what he suspects.
1: Yes. Taft has a theory.
0: (laughs) Yes. So he brings three small diamond spheres with... That are infused with stormlight. Right. And this is... Taft acknowledges that this was the first time, really, that he's ever saved anything. Yes. In a very long time.
1: So it's a big thing, I think, for Taft to try this out because... He doesn't normally have money. He spends all of his wages when he gets it.
0: Like most, because they don't know whether they're gonna live or not. Mm -hmm. But in this case, he held on to it. And he says, like, you're not allowed to take a bunch of hanged men, allow them to breathe, and you can't leave
1: after that. Like, your job isn't done. You can't,
0: can't, like, give us hope and then take it away.
1: Yeah, you can't give us hope and then just disappear. That's not allowed. Yes, exactly.
0: Like, we're not, I think Tuff knows that they're not completely ready to be Mm self-sustaining. That they feel like the only reason they're doing this is because of Kaladin. And Kaladin himself also knows this, right? I mean, why else would he say, if I live, it's because, you know, that he's basically blessed by the Almighty God. The Almighty. And then we never really find out what these envisagers are. No. We can guess that they, like, the way that Teft talks about it, right? That they've been waiting and looking for the signs. And um, Teft had written them off because he, like, they've, he sees no proof of it whatsoever.
1: Mm. So they seem to be an organization, at least, that are waiting for the arrival of individuals with certain power
0: mm-hmm. related to stormlight yes Tef knows
1: what kaladin does is absorb stormlight he he absorbs stormlight and converts it into energy
0: and he literally tough can see some of like the exposed cuts are healing knitting themselves back up but and he sees, like, the return of some color to Kaladin's skin. Mm-hmm. And Tef just leaves his mind, right? He's like, why is this happening to me? <laughs> <laughs> why me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's crying. He's, like, all out of it.
1: Yeah, and he has no idea what he is actually supposed to do now. Because... The Invisagers are actually gone; they don't exist anymore
0: and it says it's because of him yes, because of he what he did, so now we need to know what he did. <laughs> what
1: was he doing what What happened to the Invisagers?
0: right, so we have questions now we have a secret organization hmm we have some that's somehow destroyed by this person mm-hmm. right who's taft like what's his background, and how can he destroy? The envisagers was like, that's crazy. Like, yes, nobody else seems to know or maybe we haven't seen the consequences of the Invisagers being gone mm. either. But as a secret organization, if one of them got wiped out, like it's not like I'm sure somebody knows something. Yes. So it's so part of me is like, what are the consequences of that? Mm. Yeah. And then, yeah, what do you get?
1: Well, I mean, there is that. And then there's also the fact that Kaladin appears to have a special power, and we now know the answer to him all of his money suddenly becoming done. <laughs> Always. <laughs> he was using <laughs> Stormlight.
0: <laughs> Somehow, some way. Yes. And despite this, like, mind blowing, world altering, like, f- discovery of Taft, like, he's like, I can't. I can make sure that he heals a little bit at a time. Like he wants to be very careful about it, and he's—he's
1: he's protecting Kaladin.
0: He is exactly. Mm-hmm. There's a part of me too that wants to know, like, what is Teff gonna do? Like, it does does he have enough knowledge as an Invinciger to guide Kaladin into what he should be capable of doing, mm. or you know, it's, it's just. Like, what are the Invisagers supposed to do once they find somebody like Kaladin?
1: Yeah, we, we don't know yet. And the fact that, like,
0: Teft doesn't know what to do tells me, like, he wasn't that high up in the organization. Yeah, yeah. Which means, oh, what can he do that would take <laughs> out the upper echelons, right?
1: Yeah. What did he do?
0: Oh, Teft, why are you a mystery? Why can't you just tell me what I want to know? <laughs>
1: Yep, so we'll see. It looks like Kaladin can be on the mend, though.
0: Yep, which means that Gaz is gonna lose
1: his mind
0: again, because he was kind of like, oh, when he looked in.
1: Oh yeah, when he looked and saw Kaladin, and realized that Kaladin was just gonna die from his wounds.
0: Yeah, that, he he was a little... He was smug about it. Yeah, because don't forget, like he just got out of a bad situation with his superior, with his debt, and now he's gone. And then the only other person that kind of has any type of leverage on him was Kaladin. Mm -hmm. And now he's about to die. So Gaz is like, I'm about to be free.
1: Yeah, Gaz is in a great position. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, we shall see. We shall see not in the next episode, because we're back with Shallan in chapter 39. If you enjoyed this episode, please share this with your friends and follow us on
0: Twitter or on Instagram at B- n banter podcast again that's b n banter podcast to get episode updates if you extra love us please leave a review wherever you get your podcast to help spread the joy